0: Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast joining me via Zoom from his home um, in North Carolina is my friend Jessup Oliver. Welcome to the podcast, Jessup.
1: Thank you so much, Richard. It's great to be here. I'm excited.
0: Jessup is new to North Carolina. He just moved there um, to start a master's program um, it starts in August of 2023. He's um, gotten right involved in his YSA ward. serves in the Elders' Corn Presidency in his local YSA ward. Um, Jessup is turning 25 in three days, so when this podcast is released, he will be 25. He's going to share his story as a gay Latter Day Saint. And um, when he sent me his outline and reached out, I just every time somebody does this, I just think you are so brave. Um, to be willing to come and talk to 20,000 people about your story. And um, as we said a prayer, I just felt impressed that um, Jessup is acting on an impression to share his story to help others that are newer on this road and are working through um, the complicated road of being gay and a believer in the church. Um, Jesse served a mission in Chile. Um, He graduated from Utah State University in biologic engineering. He's going to talk about his youth. He's going to talk about pornography use, which is something that good Latter-day Saint men and women work through, um, gay or straight. He's going to talk about his mission. He's going to talk about coming out. He's going to talk about dating men, dating women, I think, a little bit and trying to make that work and just about his future. And um, our prayers, this will help you if you are um, walking this road or if you're a parent or a local leader, a friend. Um, that will give you insights to be able to better support someone like Jessup. How's that for an introduction, Jessup?
1: That sounds pretty solid.
0: Thank you. Okay, so I will just um, turn it over to you to share your story. Okay,
1: thank you so much. Yeah, I, I figured I'd just kind of walk through a timeline of my life. So I, I grew up in Davis County, Utah. I, um, first 10 years of my life was in Clinton and then later moved to West Point, Utah that's just north of Salt Lake about an hour. Um, I'm the oldest of three kids. I've got two younger sisters and, uh, two loving parents. I had a really happy childhood. Um, I feel like it was very normal. I stayed outside. I, um, did lots of things. We had a big yard growing up. And so I was always out catching bugs or, or hanging out with my cousins. We were very close with them. Um, I think I recognized my attraction to boys or I didn't even recognize it, but I just started to feel it around puberty. Maybe when I was 10 or 9 or 10 years old, it started to form. Um, I noticed that I had a special interest in some boys in school, or um, I felt a little different when, it, when a cute guy would come on TV show or something like that. And it developed this curiosity within, within me that unfortunately led to some pornography at a really young age. And it was just some curious searching on internet that, that led to places that I wish I hadn't gone, but I got caught pretty young. Um, my parents found some search history and and they, very rightly so, got, got very concerned. Um, and I don't think they knew how to handle it as an 11-year-old boy that was searching um, gay porn. And they sat me down and we had a very serious talk. And they told me that they felt, you know, this is, this is not right. This is not something you should be looking at. And they took away a lot of privileges, but then we didn't really talk about it after that. And I felt very, I guess, very broken. And I felt very rote about what I'd been doing, very bad about it. Um, a lot of shame, but we hadn't addressed the base problem. We hadn't, Talked about what was actually going on behind that and why it stopped that purchase, and so I didn't end up stopping. I just got better at hiding it. Unfortunately, um, it was. I started to realize um, from my environment and from everything around me that being gay was wrong. It was seen as something that was uh, not normal, not natural according to the culture that I was in, according to the environment around me, I'm not saying that that's actually case. that's what I was being told and that's what I internalized. And shame became a very deep part of me. I, I knew that there was something um, broken about me that I could not show to people. I was, I was very scared to let people know or be aware that that was something that felt inside me or something that part of who I was. Um, as, I, as I grew up a little bit, um pornography became a coping mechanism it was something that was an escape it was an outlet for my sexuality this these attractions that i had that needed to be expressed but i didn't have any other way to remember about it without feeling that shame and that guilt and so um pornography became the purpose of for that i became the purpose of using pornography um when i was about 14 years old um, we had a church lesson, and, and we'd been taught about patriarchal blessings before, but at 14, I remember distinctly that I wanted to get my patriarchal blessing, um, and that was a very big desire of mine. But in church, they talked about being worthy to receive it and being prepared for that stuff, and I didn't feel like I was worthy at the time. I didn't feel ready for that. Um, so I decided to be very brave and to go talk to my bishop at the time. Um it was my own decision. And I went and met with him. And my parents didn't know why I was meeting. I think they thought it was like the sem- semi-annual interview or something like that. But I spoke with my bishop and and told him that I was dealing with pornography. And he helped me through it. And we worked together. And I I was able to overcome it at the time. But I never mentioned that it was gay pornography. That didn't feel necessary to mention that part of it i I felt like the sin itself was the pornography not necessarily that it was gay and i was much too scared to admit that at that time and so i didn't um by the time i was 15 i felt worthy and i received my patriarchal blessing and i am so grateful for it it is one of the biggest strengths and one of the best guides that i have in my life every time i read it i feel like i I feel very personally that God knows me and he loves me and he has a plan um, Even as my life has adjusted over the years and how I've made different decisions, I come back to it and I, I realize, wow, this still applies to my life. This still applies. And, and God really knew um, what he wanted to tell me back then. Um, I was proud of that accomplishment that I'd made over the pornography, but I was still lost with my sexuality. And I would frequently pray to try to be fixed, to try to heal myself, to get rid of this thing that was inside me. Um, I remember seminary classes where the teacher would introduce a lesson and he would say, God can help us with anything. You can take anything to him and and he will help it." And and I I believe that to a certain extent. He would would have us write, he or she um, would have us write in our journals, these personal private journals that nobody else would ever read um a problem. And they would say, Write this down and um have it be something that the Lord can help you with. And you can turn back to this and look on it later and see how the Lord's helping you. And I had so much shame that I wasn't even confident enough or or brave enough to write down what it actually was. I would say please help me with this thing or please make it so that I don't feel that way. I couldn't even write the words. And it was so hard to to be in that space and feel lost and feel broken that way. I didn't want anybody to know about it. I was so scared. And so I did everything I could to hide it. Um, in junior high, the word gay was thrown around all the time. I heard people describe it, calling things stupid or, or just calling people that just because. and it wasn't offensive or anything to me. it was just scary. I felt so anxious every time that someone would mention that about me, and I was so scared that people would actually think that about me. Um, I kind of became a people pleaser that I wanted to do anything and everything so that people would like me um I didn't I didn't want to be rejected such a great fear of that and i I felt like if they truly knew everything inside of me if they knew who I was, I would be rejected and so... I did things that I didn't necessarily like. I um, hung out with people that I wouldn't normally be friends with, but they were the popular people, and so I tried to spend time around them. And my self-confidence suffered. Going into high school, I had a little bits of improvement. Um, and I was able to develop some more self-confidence. Um, slowly. Um, but it came. There's this there's this TV show, Netflix show heartstopper that i think is the cutest thing and it shows this little romance between a a young kid that had come out as gay and and another one that didn't realize he was gay until later in the show but um one of the boys screensavers on his phone just says gay panic and I, i think it's hilarious um but my my gay panic transitioned from being a people pleaser to being an overachiever in high school and I think that kind of comboed with me being an oldest child as well and feeling like I needed to be an example in everything. And so I was in school, but I also did choir, and I did theater, and I did track, and I did honors and AP classes in early morning seminary and swing dance, and I was in the hotel club. I did everything. I felt like if I was good at everything, then I couldn't be rejected. There was no way, even if they knew everything inside me, that they could think badly about me. That, that was the purpose. And I think also it was really useful to distract my mind. I'm busy all the time that I was never able to just sit and think about my future and about being gay. Um, I found it easier to make friends. I think with all the different things that I was doing and people I was interacting with, I made connections easily. And I became very, very social, but they were never deep connections. I didn't have the confidence yet to have that vulnerability it was still so hard for me. And I, I always felt like I was on the outside um, without being able to make those deep connections. I, I never had a best friend before college. I, I never felt part of the inner circle and that hurt. And I felt really lonely a lot of times. Um, I also dated a lot in high school and that was what everybody did. And it was an exciting time. And you thought once you turn sixteen that's the thing to do, you date people and so I would go on a lot of dates, but it was much more of a social experience and a fun time with friends rather than sincere interest. I had crushes too, but I think they were kind of fake crutches. When I looked at it, I kind of saw it more as this girl is objectively pretty. She's so nice and everybody likes her. I should probably have a crush on her. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's kind of how it went. I, I didn't have that true pull, that attraction to them. I would just logically pick people. Anyways, I got through high school and and I made a lot of progress, but I wasn't nearly to where I am today. Um, but I got to the point to serve a mission. And uh, once I graduated from high school, it was time to turn my papers in. And it was always expected of me. Everybody thought that I was going to do. It. I was the oldest. It was expected. I was a boy. Um, my parents had both served missions. And I kind of expected of myself to do, but I wanted to do it as well. Uh, the church made me happy, and I wanted to serve people. I always loved helping when I could, and I wanted to make my parents proud. And so I put in my papers, and I was called to serve Chile-Oxorno, um, the southern part of the country, um, from August of 2016 to 2018. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, I, I think I believed in the church. I did believe in the church when I left. But my foundation and the strength that I have in the knowledge of the gospel, um, as it is now, came from my mission and from experiences after life. It was so hard, but it was so good for me. It built me up in more ways than I thought possible before I left. I learned how I could really listen to people, how I could hear their stories and, and let them speak and share their experiences. I learned to work with people, difficult people. <laughs> Uh, people of all sorts, my, my investigators, my friends, my companions, uh, members that were difficult or good members of all sorts. And I learned to love each and every one of those people, no matter how different they were from me. That was hard at times. And some people took longer to love than others. But I'm so grateful when I got to the point that I could love them. I learned about the difference between the spirit of the law and the, the letter of the law. And I chose that I wanted to follow the former in my life. I feel like the spirit of the law is something that I, I choose to follow in my life. And I was rejected every single day on my mission. I don't think that there was a day that I didn't go through some form of rejection, whether it's from a companion or mostly from people on the streets or investigators. But um, it was a lot. <laughs> and I think that prepared me for later in life when I came out. Because I knew it was okay. Being rejected didn't change who I was or how good of a person I was. It didn't change the truthfulness of my message. And so later, when I came out with my sexuality, I wasn't scared of being rejected as much. I still was, but I still had a stable foundation in myself. And I think the beginnings of that came from my mission. I also found my people. Um, I found some of the best people I've ever known in my life. And some of the greatest friends that I still have to this day came from my mission including really supportive mission president and his wife. They felt like another set of grandparents to me, and they're so wonderful. I've seen them various times since getting home and since they've returned from their mission. So I love them. Um, I That's a theme throughout my life, is that my Heavenly Father always gives me my people. At the time and the place that I need them, I have people show up for me. I think the most important thing that I took from my mission, though, was being able to learn how to communicate how to have a relationship with my heavenly personal one um not to just seek answers from the scriptures um or from prophets which is important too but to feel like i could really talk to god through prayer not just rote or, or repetitive things but to actually have a conversation with him and feel like he was communicating back to me that is the greatest treasure that i've taken from my mother. as i got home um I had this expectation of sorts uh, that I would be healed. I think before I left and on my mission multiple times, I would pray that the sacrifice of two years would, would equal healing, that I could be made free from being gay, um, from having this attraction to men. Um, I remember being taught sacrifice brings forth the blessings of heaven or something like that. and I, I thought that that would just apply, it, um, that I could make it work. And my sexuality was not really a problem for me on my mission. I didn't have it really surface much. So when I got home, I assumed I was good to go. And I was given a rude awakening. Um, When I got home, I had about two weeks to move to Utah State up in Logan. I started a degree in bioengineering. And I'm grateful that I only had two weeks because I think if I had taken a whole semester off, I would have gone crazy. I always need something to do. I showed up, and there were stressors all over the place. I was in a new place. I had to learn new streets. I had to get new friends. I had classes and homework. Goodness, if you know anything about engineering homework, it's a nightmare. And now I had dating. And there was no longer a buffer between me and finding an eternal companion. I didn't have that missionary gap. I didn't have reasons to say no. Except for one thing. I was still attracted to men. It hadn't been taken away. I felt like God had lied to me, and I was so hurt, except he hadn't. He never promised that, and I had never received a confirmation of that. It was just something that I hoped for, something that I told him to do and thought it would happen. And that's not how it works. He had a different plan for me, and he was just waiting for me to come to that realization. But it was so hard. And all of those things, especially realizing that I still had same-sex attraction, caused me to collapse. And I slipped back into pornography, back into those habits that I had when I was a teenager. But I knew what that road looked like, and I didn't want to be there. And so I was brave again, more brave than I'd been before. And I went to my bishop my freshman year, and I told him everything. Wow. I told him that I had dealt with pornography, but that it was same sex pornography, it was gay porn, and that I was attracted to men, and I hung my head in his office, and I wept. I felt so defeated and so broken, and I felt like I was at the end of the road. That's when he had me look at the hem, and he loved me, just as the Savior would. He told me that I was worth so much, that I had value just as much as anyone else. I was still a son of God, and I still had so much hope for my future. He loved me when I couldn't love myself. And he saved me. That was another person that came right when I needed them, and he did it in exactly the way that I needed. And I'm so grateful for him. He continued to be a support for me for the next all of college at Utah State University. At that time, I still saw myself not as gay, but having struggling with same-sex attraction. And that frame shift hadn't occurred yet in my mind. It was still something that I didn't like about myself and that I wanted to get rid of. But at least I had a support now to help me through it. Um, Back to college, it was wonderful. I loved USU, and I will tell every single person who ever has a question about it, go there, because it's the best school ever in my opinion. Um, I had so much fun there, and it's such a great environment. And I also had a lot of spiritual growth post-mission. My mission president told me in my ACT interview that um, mission shouldn't be the peak of spiritual um, level, but it should be a stepping point to continue to progress after your mission. And I'm so grateful for that comment because I really took that mindset to heart and I continued to grow up spiritually. I, by, with the encouragement of my bishop, I worked in the temple. I started, or I joined an auditioned institute choir. I got on the institute council. I was around spiritual things all the time and connecting with people and serving people. I grew in confidence in myself and I grew in trust in my heavenly father and his plan for me. Um, another thing that I wanted so bad and that I prayed for him, I mentioned the best. friend, And that might seem weird to some people, but it was a big deal for me. And maybe some viewers can relate, but I'd never had a best friend before. I wanted one so bad. As I was able to develop this confidence in myself, my friends increased and I I was able to make deeper connections. And I got to the point where I found a best friend. I found a few best friends. And I look on those relationships and I smile because I have developed enough where I can trust people and I can be open, have those relationships. And God bless people to come into my life to be those best friends for me. And it's because of a new vulnerability that I was able to bring into my life and the ability to share with people things inside myself that I'd never felt comfortable sharing. There were still things that I was hiding and I still hadn't shared my sexuality with other people, but I felt more comfortable talking about the hard things, talking about my feelings and emotions and inner thoughts. And that was a big step for me. Um, I also dated a lot, probably more in college than I did in high school. It was fun. I was a social guy and I enjoyed it. I loved getting to know new people, new girls. um, And it was all with girls at this point. Um, But I think looking back at it, I had a great time and the group dates were blast, but I had more fun coming back to my friends and, and maybe guys that I thought were cute and telling them the stories and being able to connect and relate about dating rather than the date itself. And I think... That's probably where the most interest in dating came for me. Um, However, I did develop relationships and I had three girlfriends during college, one for each of the first three years of my college career. And they were great and those girls were wonderful, but each relationship was really short lived, maybe only a couple months. And it was due to anxiety that I was feeling in the relationship. And I don't think it was as much that I wasn't attracted to them as it was I knew that there was a part of me that I was hiding, that I had attraction to men. And I wasn't being honest with them or with myself by being in this relationship. And that anxiety aided me until I had to escape. And that happened over and over again. I learned that this was going to be a part of me that I couldn't get rid of. It was just who I was. And I decided that I was going to share that with my future spouse. I just never was able to get to that point where I could feel comfortable sharing that with a person I was So I was at this dilemma. I wanted an eternal family so badly. I wanted a temple marriage. I wanted to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ in my life because I believed it and I love it. And I wanted to keep my relationship with God. But I was attracted to men. And in my mind at the time, it didn't fit. It didn't make sense to have those two things. If I accepted my sexuality, then I was going to be giving up everything else. And I couldn't face that. I wouldn't. And so I didn't. I just stored it away and didn't think about it and just tried to continue forward while dealing with anxiety and sometimes bouts of depression. Until two two summers ago, um, right after the end of my junior year, um, I went with some friends up to the lake and we hung out for the day, had a great day on the on the lake, um, out in the sun and on the way home, my parents, or not my, sorry, my friends started talking about, uh, something that our friends had posted. So Richard, two years ago, you did a podcast with Connor Berg. Yeah. Um, he is a friend of mine. And at that time he was a, a new friend of mine, um, relatively new acquaintance, um, connected to another friend. And you guys had done the podcast a few months prior, but I don't know if you remember, but that day towards the end of May was the day you released that episode. And it was episode 416. Um, And I remember that that morning, Connor had made a post coming out as gay and that he shared the podcast. And my friends, they were also mutual friends with him, um, started talking about it. And they were like, wow, he's so brave. That's so incredible. And I'm so proud of him. And my mind is spinning. I'm like, wait, he's gay? And they're okay with it? And he did a podcast? How is this possible? What did he say? How, what is going on? I was uh, freaking out, but I tried to play it off. I didn't want them to think it was affecting me this much. Um, The second I was in my car alone, I looked at the podcast and I started listening to On The Home and it was, that drive was a blur. I don't remember a single thing about the drive, but I do remember my emotions. They're unforgettable for the first time in my life i didn't feel alone with that aspect i felt seen and i felt understood something that i never thought i was going to share with anybody it was powerful i felt walls within myself begin to come down walls around my heart that i built that i didn't even realize were there i heard connor talk about revelation and talking to god and finding answers about his sexuality And that blew me away. How could God be okay with your sexuality? And how could he give you revelation about it? I remember parking in front of the temple in Logan at the end of my drive. And I still had a few minutes left of the podcast. And so with tears in my eyes, I finished the last few minutes just sitting there, looking at the temple. And as the podcast closed, I sat there for a few moments. And then I started to pray out loud in my car. And the word started pretty angry. (laughs) I was upset with God. For everything that I had to go through for the unfair situation I was put in, and that I felt so lonely and so lost. I was angry at everything that I had to go to go through. As I was expressing and as, as I was speaking with God, I felt my heart begin to change and my emotions shifted, and I felt this peace watch over me. And I started saying words of gratitude. My prayer shifted to being thankful for everyone in my life. And i realized. That God had put people in my life at every crucial moment that I needed them. And they had guided me to where I was now. And I looked inside to try to find the self-loathing that I'd felt for my sexuality for so long. And it wasn't there. Wow. I found peace and I found acceptance for myself that I didn't think I'd ever find. And I was able to feel a love for myself for who I was. I also felt such strong love from God for who i was and i knew that he made me this way and that there was a reason i'm gay and i was okay with that for the first time in years i felt like i could breathe and that was huge and i was ready to talk about it and that brought a whole bunch of stressors <laughs> and, and things to figure out in my list um, at the time, I actually had a girlfriend, and she was just about to leave for a two-week-long vacation the very next day. It was unbelievably convenient, because um, then I didn't have to worry about what, how I was going to deal with that girlfriend and that complicated romantic relationship in combination with coming out. So I took advantage of those two weeks. It was a whirlwind, but I was ready. And because I was ready and everything had been prepared for me beforehand, it just, I came out to 15 of my closest friends within those two weeks. Wow, And I was met with so much love and acceptance immediately. It shocked me, but it was so good. And I knew that I had picked good friends and that they'd been placed in my life for a reason. And I also came out to my parents. I was not planning on doing that. Um, I thought I would wait a couple months before talking to them about it. But I had an opportunity come up that I felt like I needed to take and I didn't want to give it up. Um... My mom will argue that it was actually not a good opportunity. It was probably maybe the worst time I could have. Her mother, my grandma, had actually just been uh, put in the hospital because we had found cancer. Wow! And um, that's an opportunity that kind of brought us all together and and ended up causing an experience or or an opportunity where we were in a car together for an hour and a half. Um, Except my mom was exhausted by taking care of my grandma in the hospital. And so that hour and a half drive, she was asleep. And so I ended up coming out to them at the end of the drive, right as we parked, before we went into the building, in about a 15-minute or five-minute slot of time, Mm -hmm. without giving them any opportunity to respond. It was not the best on my part. And I have apologized profusely. But that's how it happened. Um, I need to make an important side note here. My younger sister is gay, the middle child. And she'd come out a couple years before, but she's taken a very different path than I have. Um, I respect very much the path that she's taking now, Um, and I understand it a little better. But back then, it caused a whole lot more pain and heartache and suffering. She chose to leave home and to remove herself from the church and from most of our family, break a lot of connections. Uh, She felt like that was the best and safest place for her. And... As I was coming out, I saw fear in my parents' eyes that they were going to lose another child. And that hurt. That was scary. I tried to reassure them the best I can, that that was not the case. I told them that the family and the gospel is where I wanted to stay and where I was choosing to be. I'm so grateful for my parents, and I've always felt their love throughout my life, especially in that moment. I know that they want what's best for me the pr- process of me coming out to them was difficult and difficult for both of them to grasp. Um, understandably. So it was a brand new concept for them. Um, and they, I've been dealing with, with it for years in my head, trying to come to terms with it. And they had such a short amount of time and they've done so well, but they had to mourn my future that they held for me. And they had ideas for, what they wanted my future to look like that we're not going to happen anymore. We had to learn and grow together and we've done such a good job at it. And I'm so grateful for them. And I've done the best that I could to give them grace and patience. Um, I have an experience that I'm really grateful for um, about a week after it came out my dad called me up and he's like, Hey, I want to drive up to Logan and talk with you. Um, just have a chat. I'm like, uh, okay, sure. I was scared. I had no idea what he was going to say. And I was nervous, but I told him that I would meet him partway to make the drive a little easier for him because it's about an hour away from home. And as I'm driving there, I'm, my mind is racing. What is he going to say? What is this about? And we met and he sat me down and he'd written these notes on his phone. And as we were sat down to chat, he shared um, he shared ways that he thought he could help with my struggle that I was going through. And these ideas of why I was gay and how I could fix it and, and, and make it go away. And during the whole experience, I felt so much love and I knew that he wanted to help me, but I may have had to bite my tongue a couple of times. Um, I just listened. Then at the end of it, um, he gave me an opportunity to share my thoughts. And I first of all thanked him for his love and for taking the time to come meet with me. And then I shared with him that I had gone through a lot of thoughts and a lot of prayers and gone through quite a process to I world And that I knew that God made me the way that I was, that I was gay for a reason and I was gay from birth. And I also told him that I was grateful for it and that if given the opportunity to change, I would not choose to give it up. That was the first time that I'd ever said that. But as I said it, I knew it was true. I told him that I was excited for the opportunity to learn more about myself from God and to be able to use the gifts that I'm discovering to help people around me. And he hugged me and he told me that he felt inspired by the spirit to come talk with me, but he didn't know what he had to say. And now he knew that the reason he needed to come see me was so that he could be taught, not teach. And that was, I felt so much love from him in that moment. And I'm so grateful for the way that he chose me his love and for his example of humility in my life. As I continued to come out and, and deal with this process, I told my sisters, my youngest first, and then later my middle sister. And that was a interesting meeting. Um, I, I had to arrange a time to meet with her, and she didn't know why. But when I came out to her, she just hugged me. and She was like, oh my gosh, we're the same. <laughs> And it was this exciting, fun thing. And it felt like this bridge had kind of just been built again between us to to gap this rift that had been there between us before. And I'm so grateful for that because I feel a lot closer to her now than I was before. She got married to her now wife about two years ago. And it was so exciting to go to her wedding. And and I am so grateful when I get the opportunity to hang out with them. They're so fun. And I love having them in my life. I told more people slowly. I got, and I told my extended family and then more people in my life. And I felt like if I trusted people and I wanted to share this part of myself with, them. um, I choir had an event one, one time, and it was, uh, for a stake relief society that had asked us to come sing a couple songs. And it was an event to introduce the old Testament for, uh, come follow me that year. And Um, there was going to be a guest speaker and we were just going to be singing a couple of songs, but the day before this event, the guest speaker had to cancel. And so all of a sudden they asked us to do the entire fire And so we had to sing about five times as many songs. And also our, our director put together this program where we would be speaking and some of the students would be sharing their thoughts. So I volunteered and I was like, I'd love to share some thoughts. What do you want me to talk on? And he assigned me the topic of profits. So before this event and on the way there, I was praying to know what I needed to share and what I needed to say. And I got a couple ideas and I was writing something things on my phone, but it wasn't until the opening song of this event that I got, I call it sucker punched in the gut by the spirit. <laughs> I got told that I needed to share my experience of being gay into in the church and how that has affected my testimony of prophets. And I'm like, no, I can't. I don't know these people. None of the people in my choir, my friends, none of them know yet. My director, he was like a father to me. And I hadn't shared with him yet. I can't do this. This this can't be right. It's got to be something else. And as I sat with it, I knew that that was what I needed to do. And so when it was my turn, I got up and I started bearing my testimony of prophets. And then I shared that I was gay. And that as a gay man in the church, I felt so much love and received so much revelation, even from the words of the prophet who, at first glance, might not seem like they pertain to people in unique situations like mine. But I know they do. And I know that peace and direction can be found through the prophet's words. I spoke about a, a number of things, and I probably spoke longer than I should have, than it was my share. But at the end of it, you could hear it drop. And I rarely felt the spirit as strongly as I did in that moment. I sat down and we continued. And at the end of the event, my choir director just came up and gave me a fat bear hug and told me that he loved me and he was so grateful for me. And I was told by multiple people at that event that what I shared was needed and that they're so grateful for my experience. And I realized that I needed to be sharing my experiences that my life and who i am could help people and so i've started to try to find those opportunities and take them whenever i can and i'm so grateful for an opportunity like this one that you've given me richard thank you i decided to come out publicly about a year ago so a year after i first came out um and i did it in the same way i wanted to give people an opportunity to ask questions and Hope to people who might be in a similar situation as me that don't know other people so that they can have someone to talk to. I want to make a side note for listeners. I don't think that it's necessary for everybody to come out over social media or to come out before you're ready. I just felt that it was right for me. So I I would never prescribe that to anyone who doesn't feel like it's right for them. I really want that to be known. Um after coming out. I experienced two years of so much happiness and incredible emotional growth. I made a lot more friends, and I felt it easier to connect with people, LGBTQ people. I, I gained a lot of in that community, both in and out of the church. And I loved each and every experience and, and viewpoint that I gained from them. I started going to therapy um, about a year ago. And that was wonderful. And I would suggest therapy for anyone and everyone, no matter your situation, it has use for everybody. Um, I've never dealt with clinical anxiety or depression, never needed medication, and I've still found so much benefit to it. I've made a lot of decisions on dating during that time. My original plan when I came out was that I wanted to get married in the temple, but I needed to figure something things out first. I need to wrap up a little cliffhanger about my girlfriend because we were dating when I first came out. Um, she got home from her vacation and I went on a walk and explained my situation and we broke up. Um, I told her that I needed some time, some space. And then I was like, what's my next step? And I remember on Connor's podcast that he talked about dating men. And I didn't take that as permission for me to date men. I didn't say like, oh, he did it so I can do it. But he talked about praying for guidance and feeling like God uh, gave him that experience. And so I prayed, no, whether that was something that God wanted for me. And he told me that it was, I could go either way. I could choose and it was up to me. But he also made me very aware that if I did choose to date men, that there was a lot of things that he could choose. And so I decided that that was where I was going to go. My reason was that I wanted to learn, but I also felt like, I didn't want to get into a relationship with a woman down the road in a marriage, doubt myself, or to question or wonder what it would be like to date a man. I, I didn't want to have those doubts. I wanted to be 100% committed to my spouse. And so I felt like if I went and dated, that once I decided to marry or, or date a woman again, I could be fully aware of what I was giving up. And dating men was wonderful. <laughs> Uh, for the first time ever, I was having these experiences in a romantic sense with men, the people that I was attracted to. I felt excited to be with I didn't feel the guilt or the shame attached with it. The best word I have for these experiences was healing. And I healed so much during this time. I had definitely also made mistakes. And it was such a new thing, a new experience to me. And I, I didn't know what I was doing at all. Um. And I had I learned how to have a lot of grace for myself and receive grace from God. I was taught, and I've taken this into, I've internalized this now, that this life is not the time to be perfect. This life is the time to learn, the time to prepare God. We're not meant to be perfect. We're little children. We're toddlers taking our first steps. And so if we mess up, we can return and we can get back on the path. I got to the point where I felt like I would learned everything that God wanted me to learn at that and during those months. And I decided that I was going to return to trying to date girls and maybe try to find an eternal companion. So I went about it and, and I had some good dates, but overall, I started to feel stuck. I felt anxious and I was feeling lonely thinking about my future and about uh, the path that I was going to take for myself. And I didn't understand why. I'm like, isn't this what I'm supposed to do? Isn't this what you want from me, God? Like, I, I I prayed for a companion that could work, that we could make it work together, that we could figure these things out. I, I decided that I was gonna be upfront and honest about my situation right when I started dating a girl. And and most of the girls that I dated were okay with it and they were ready to figure it out. I felt stuck. And I didn't know why. I was confused. And so I kind of felt inspired to change my process. I came up with a plan that I was going to date both. I was going to continue to go on dates with girls, but I was also going to open up myself for opportunities to date men again and just feel which way I was directed and and to try to feel from God, like, what feels better? What do I feel more relief and more peace about? Immediately, within weeks, I had my answer. My peace came from dating men. And I was like, I'm nervous. Like, this doesn't seem right. I don't, this doesn't make sense from the doctrine that I've been taught. I prayed, I wanted to confirm, I wanted to make sure that this was the right way, that this was not me deciding what I wanted to do, but rather actual revelation. And I've prayed continuously since then. Um, And every time I feel peace. And so that was my ultimate decision. I'm dating men. My man's goal is to find a husband and someone that I can create a relationship with. And I felt so much peace with that. Um, Something that I didn't mention before, I never told my parents when I started dating men. My mindset was that I was only going to be dating men originally for a short amount of time that it wasn't my long-term goal, that I was going to be married in the temple. Why would I add another stress to their lives? Why would I make them concerned? I wish I had. I wish I had been open with them from the beginning. But I didn't. I eventually did tell them when I did start dating girls. And they surprised me with so much love and support. And they trusted me to make my own decisions to, um, that I could follow the spirit and I can make the best decision for my life. And I'm so grateful that they did that and that they they shared that with me and I kept them in the loop from there on in, uh, when I decided that I was going to date both. And then later when I was going to only date men, that that was my goal for the future. I told them I shared those things with them and they've been so supportive and so loving. Um, I remember one time there was, there was a guy that I was dating a little bit, um, my, after, after my fourth year of college, um, after I'd made this decision to date men for the second and I, it was up in the mountains. I was kind of having an emotional day and I was writing, I was just finding a place to be quiet and write in my journal. And I took my picture of our blessing with me. And I, my mom right then. It was divine timing. <laughs> and I was in an emotional place where I was like, I'm going to open up to her. Um, because they knew I was dating, but also I was nervous to tell them about specific people and specific dates. And this guy was kind of getting a little more serious. And I told her, I didn't, I wasn't planning to, but I, it just came out. Um, and I could tell she was a little concerned and a little nervous, but she was mostly okay with it. Later, um, a couple weeks later, I was at home with her and we were alone in a room one time. I think she was folding laundry and she asked me about it. like, Hey, how's so-and-so doing? And I think I was a little, I don't know. I was taken back and I didn't know how to respond. So I kind of just brushed off I'm like, Oh yeah, he's, he's doing good. He's okay. Um, and I wish I had expressed her in that moment, how grateful I was. That she asked, that she took an interest and a concern for my life and that part of my life that was so uh, new to her and, and so special for me. I'm so grateful for her and for her love in my life and for her desire to be a part of my life. Um, as I graduated college, I knew that I wanted to continue further education and I wanted to get a master's degree. So I was looking around and I, I looked at Duke. I had some other options, but Duke just was exciting. It felt right. It was a great school. And I felt all if I could go there. I felt drawn to North Carolina. The more I did research and the more that I studied it and learned about it, just felt like that's where I needed to be. And I truly felt pulled by God there. And so kind of when I'd made the decision to date men, at that point, I knew that I was leaving the state and probably going to North Carolina. So I didn't date seriously in Utah. I wasn't looking for a long-term relationship because it didn't make sense. I was going to be leaving soon. And that was kind of hard for me. And it felt like a lot because Utah is probably the best place to find a guy that is gay, but also trying to remain spiritual and remain active in the church. And I didn't think I'd be able to find that in North Carolina. Um, But I, I made the choice to move anyways. And so I picked up my life and I drove out here in January. I did not have a job when I got here. and I had not been accepted to Duke, although I had already applied. I came out on faith. I had a place to live, and that was about it. Um, within two weeks of getting here, everything fell into place. I had a wonderful job, and I got accepted to Duke with a scholarship. North Carolina was prepared for me. For the first time, I was truly living on my own, doing my own thing, living my own path. I've never felt so much like an adult in my life. And it's wonderful. It's scary all at the same time. Um, And I've found so many great friends out here. Um, I've been a part of some good YSAs before, but never have I been in such an incredible and welcoming YSA as the one out here in Durham. And the leaders are my bishop and my state president and the counselors in the ward. Every single one of them is so supportive. I was open to them. I met with my bishop even before my first Sunday. And I told him, like, listen, this is my situation. I'm gay. I'm trying to stay in the church. I plan to date men. And he's like, great. Well, let's do it. We'll figure it out together. My first Sunday meeting was a testimony, fast testimony meeting. And I decided that I wanted to be very open. And so I got up and I bore my testimony and I slipped in there the fact that I'm gay. And I received immediate acceptance and love. And everyone was just like, oh, we're so excited to have you. This is great. Man, I'm so excited to learn from you. It was cool this YSA has been wonderful. Um, I've never seen such true ministering as I have here. I've learned how to love boldly and fiercely, even with a difference of opinions. And I've seen examples of true leadership. I'm grateful that I've been given a calling here. I'm serving as uh, First Counselor in the Elder Scrolls presence. That is such a blessing to me, to have the opportunity to serve and to be closer to the people here. I also got into dating. Unfortunately, there were no cute guys in the ward. <laughs> I wasn't holding out too much hope, but um, no no gay members of the church that are single out here. So I started using the apps like most people do nowadays. And it's been a good time. There's been some wonderful guys. Um, There's been some heartbreaks on both sides. I've had my heart broken, not seriously, but a little bit, a couple times. And I've also done heartbreaking a couple times, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I'm learning more about what I want. I found some things that I used to think were deal breakers that aren't. Um, I thought it'd be really difficult to date someone that has a special food accommodation, like is gluten-free or vegetarian, and that's actually not that hard. I'm totally okay with it. However, I have found some things that are deal breakers, specifically my faith. Um, I am so my faith and my testimony are so important to me and they're such a large part of who I am. And that's not something that I ever want to sacrifice in a relationship. I don't want to be with a partner. I feel like I have to hide a part of myself or keep that part separate. I want to be, to completely give myself to my person, my my future partner. And I want us to build a partnership with God that we can strengthen each other and that God can strengthen us we can build faith and learn from each other and that we can share that strength with other people around us. And I have faith that God, just like he has before, will give me someone in my life at the right time and at the right time. So now I'm looking towards my future. Um, I want to share a lot of gratitude for Charlie Bird right now. He is at a very vulnerable time in his life. Um, he just got engaged with his boyfriend. and I'm so happy for them. And he shared a video after they got engaged of his decision and his thoughts and feelings about church. And I was elated when I heard about his experience with Ryan and and how they how they are together. That they prepare for church together and and they get to sit together. And it's just they're so happy together and they just work. I want someone like that for me in my life. But it broke my heart to hear him talk about the temple and talk about the church and what his future looks like there, and knowing that that will probably be my future. It hurts and confuses me that true disciples of Christ that just want to serve can't. They have these opportunities taken away from them, and and it almost feels like they're punished for loving the way that they do. I took a trip with some friends a couple weeks ago to the beach for fun, and one morning we went out and we caught the sunrise on the sand. And we were just chatting, and, and one of my friends brought up uh, someone who had recently become a mission president in their experience. And I turned to them and I said, I'm never going to be a mission president. And then I cried. I sobbed. I laid down, and I couldn't speak for 20 minutes. I'd never said something like that out loud before. And it broke me. I have such a desire to serve, and I want to in positions like this, in, in capacities where I feel like I can help a lot of people, and I won't get that opportunity, not the way that things are now. And I don't expect things to change. I'm not asking them to, but it just doesn't, I don't know. It's hard. I'm confused. But I still believe in the gospel. And I still believe that this is Christ's church. He And so I choose to serve and to do whatever I can and to help however I'm allowed to. I also choose to find someone that I love and can love completely and someone that will love me back in the way that I deserve to be loved. And both things are true for me. In closing, I just want to share a couple thoughts. I am so grateful for people in general, everyone that I meet. I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn from them. And I've learned so much. I've also learned that God is so good. He puts those people in my life and he teaches me through the spirit and he's there. He knows me personally. Finally, I've learned that this life is not meant to be easy. That's not what we signed up for. We don't get all the answers right when we ask, nor do we have the luxury to glide through unscathed. I'm discovering that the cuts and bruises we collect, the confusion and frantic searches for answers, the scramble to find belonging are all meant to lead us to find strength and confidence in ourselves, trust in God, and hope for a better future peace that won't be dampened and the joy that cannot be dimmed.
0: this is really powerful jessup um i'm just personally so deeply moved and i know our listeners are too this is the point listeners where i wonder if i should just end the podcast (laughs) um but often i'll share with you the notes that i wrote down um I'm thinking of Steve Young right now. He calls his offensive young linemen warriors, and he calls um, LGBTQ members of the church warriors for the really unique road they walk. And you are a warrior, Jessup. Um, So I'm just going to kind of skim back through a story. I love you being honest about porn use. I think that is brave. And I've learned, you know, porn use often is a coping mechanism or starts as curiosity and it's the, it's the bottom of the iceberg sometimes that solves porn use. If you can get to the bottom of the iceberg, either as a parent or as a priest leader, as a individual person. And I think the bottom of your iceberg is partly your sexuality, but just partly curiosity and um, shame. As you mentioned, shame says I am bad versus I did something bad. So one of Jessup's, stories one of his key themes is God loves him the way he is, doesn't change the commandments or doesn't change anything. it just puts him on the same moral footing as everybody else, including his sexuality. I, I think pornography doesn't change sexual orientation listener, listeners. I think it's just an insight into sexual orientation and as, and as Jessup has t- shared with us, he's he's inviting us not to look at porn. Um, <clears throat> but good people, get caught up in pornography. And I think if we say kind things about people working to solve porn, um, it helps with the shame. Um, Satan only wins if you can keep us in this locked in this whirlpool of shame and self-loathing. Um, I loved your mission experience. And I love this line from your mission that Heavenly Father always gives me my people. And um, that is a, um, a real key um, part of your story. I love the line, I'm going back now, proud of my accomplishment, overcome porn, but lost with my sexuality as you're not opening to that. Um, I love your mission and all the things that happened in Chile. And then I love you um, coming out and the courage to talk to that YSA bishop at Utah State, Jessup, and be open about your porn, the type of porn, um, your same-sex attraction, and what he did for you there was just a ministering home run. Yeah, I will bet you will never forget his name and his face and what he did for you. And he loved you, as you're written here, when I couldn't love myself. And I think that bishop represents our heavenly parents and the Savior um, and how they feel about us when we open up to them and we're vulnerable and we're honest. They love us. Um, I just think this is partly a story of you becoming your best personal self. Um, shout out to Connor Berg, stand-up guy. I remember that podcast so long ago, and um, gives me insight and in how it helped you. But I think of these um, forks in the road, listeners. If you're LGBTQ um, and Jessup's at 25, is that this fork in the road? You've really got these three forks. You can um, go into a mixed orientation marriage. You can be celibate, or you can be in a same-sex marriage. And I think if you're younger, you can. You can just do what Jessup has done is become the very best personal person you can be. Work on yourself, serve a mission if you can, um, come out as appropriate. You need to come out to God and develop a relation with God and ask God how he feels about you. Because I think he'll get the same answer that Jessup got, that God loves Jessup just the way he is. And he's not a mistake. That doesn't change church teachings or anything. It just puts Jessup on the same moral footing as his straight friends. But then I think you write your story um, from a position of strength when you're your best best personal self. And this is a key part of Jessup's story. If you listen to him coming out during testimony meeting to his parents, um, acting on the spirit and doing everything he can to sort of navigate the space, I think Jessup, you're your very best personal self you've ever been. And now that you're facing these forks in the road, I think you're facing a position of strength um, and the confidence to write your story with God the way you should write it for you. And our job, I think, is just to love you as you're writing your story. Um, but I think you're doing it. I wrote down some words here. I think you're doing it with intention, with boundaries. Um, and I think you're involving others, listeners. I've always thought it's good if you're going to same-sex date to um, do that with purpose, with intention. Yeah, you know that can lead to a path that's outside the teachings of our church. But I think if you have people in your life that love you, I love your mom asking you about your boyfriend, Jessup. Um, I think that, um, I think that just that's a good sign of a healthy relationship. And you need to talk to people about what's going on in your dating life. Um, and I love the way for you that was healing. So those are some of my thoughts, listeners, just, I'm um, listening to Jessup. Um, but my advice, you know, I, I'm probably talking too much. I just think, you know, you've got to write your own story. Um, society will tell you how to write your story. Um, And podcasts are helpful, but at the end of the day, if you're an LGBTQ lighter state, you got to write your own story. And one of the things that Jessup's done is got himself into a really good spot in his mid-20s when he is at peace about who he is. And I think you do a better job of writing your own story, and you've felt impressed to come out. That was really brave in that testimony meeting. Um, I love the way you went to Duke and came out the very first testimony meeting there. And I love the way you're serving in your YSA ward and people just love you and see your contribution. So I also recognize um, how complicated your path is that you'd love just like your straight friends to fully participate in the church and share your life with somebody. And I don't want to, there's no platitudes I can give listeners to dismiss the complexity of that. Um, you're in a double bind Um, or you would love to share your life with somebody and love to fully participate in the church. So I just acknowledge that. I mourn with you. I don't think, listeners, you can make decisions in your life thinking that the church will sometime catch up with your decisions. I think Jessup's really careful to say, I'm not making my decision to hopefully marry a man and that the church is going to someday endorse that. (laughs) You're really careful to say, you know, I'm just making my best path forward. I'm working with God and doing the best I can. And I can't wonder if the church is ever going to fully embrace me in that road. So those are just some thoughts. Jessup, are are you okay with what I said? Anything you want to come back to, or I'd love to have you keep talking.
1: Yeah. um, No, thank you. I I think you hit some very important points that I shared and summed it up really well. I, I do want to, I guess touch on that last part. I recognize that as I progress, and if I do find a partner uh, I want to uh, get married to, that my relationship with the church will probably change, and I want to stay active. And I want to stay part of it. I'm also searching for ways that I can be spiritual and, and connect with God, because I might I won't be able to go to the temple, and I still want to have sacred spaces and sacred times where I can connect and receive very pure revelation from God. And so that's kind of part of my process right now is finding those places. Um, finding ways that I can feel that connection. And and I guess I just also trust, I, I try to have an eternal perspective. That's That's been a big theme in my life too. And I didn't really talk about that much, but understanding that this life is so short in the grand scheme of things and there's so much that we don't understand and i know that it will work out and i have faith and trust that god has a plan and things will make sense we might not have those answers now but that helps me to make the decisions that i do and helps me to feel peace and feel hope for the future knowing that there will be answers and I will feel peace
0: about them. Well, that brought a few tears in my eyes when I, it's just an insight into your heart and your desire to stay connected with God and recognizing what the temple has been for you, um, what it is, and what it won't be able to be in the future, and your desire to stay connected with God. I believe listeners that God wants all of his children to stay connected with him. There's most of his children, as we know are not in the church. And so I think he wants um, pathways for his children, even those that are in the church that are, can't fully participate like you. If you marry a man, um, I love your heart. You just want to stay connected with God and, and are working to try to do that the best way you can. And I think our job as fellow Latter-day Saints is to just, do what it sounds like a lot of people are doing is just love you. And that love is not transactional in the sense we love you just because we hope you'll stay in the church. And um, our love is just we love you because you deserve to be loved, Jessup. And if you choose to marry a man, hopefully our love for you will not change and you'll feel just as welcome. I've always felt the congregation listeners, there shouldn't be a belief in behavior hurdle. To feel welcome in a congregation, the temple is where the gate narrows and there's a belief and behavior hurdle, but I've always felt like in the congregation, people should help you feel welcome. Yeah, you won't be able to you know, have callings that require a temple recommend, but so it's just a complicated road. And Charlie, I thought your shout out to Charlie was great and uh, he's trying to make this work and there's other couples that are trying to make this work as best they can. And it's heartbreaking though. And I just recognize that your gifts and contributions to help create Zion are muted because you can't fully participate in the church. And I, I'm not saying I don't agree with the church. I just recognize the how complicated it is for you, but how spiritually mature you are, Jessup. And it comes back to this idea. I think you're writing your story from position of strength and you've dated women, you've dated men. You've, I, I think you're sort of, Going in this fully informed on what your best path is from a position of strength with intention, with boundaries, with thoughtfulness, with God. And yeah, you know, I so if you're going to go down this road, I think you're doing a really good job of it. And sometimes listeners, you know, I sort of say, if it's it's obvious that somebody's going down this road and they've been through the temple, I, I say, well, try to keep four of your five temple covenants. Um, you know, you, you're not going to be able to keep the law of chastity, but you might be able to, so it's sort of this responsible approach to being in a same sex marriage, um, which you're obviously working really hard to do. And, you know, there's no conference talk that says that, but that's what pragmatically I think in my mind is, and you're already doing that is what can I do to do this the most responsible I can. Um, so more thoughts, Jessup, that comes to your mind you'd like to share with listeners you're really a thoughtful mature guest
1: um i guess i'd like to speak a little bit to um listeners that i guess yeah just the listeners in general um there might be people that don't know what their next steps are um that are part of the LGBTQ community and and don't know what their future looks like. I just want them to know that there is hope and that God's God loves you so much. And you might already have people in your life, and if not, you will, that can help you feel that hope and feel loved and continue to the next steps. So trust in that. I, I promise that it will happen. And also, I want this to be a resource, and I want leaders to understand that um, you need to listen. It's such a difficult place, and we don't have all the answers, so sometimes to better understand and better help your members of your congregation and and the people that you serve, um, rather than give advice, listen to their story. See where they're at, see where their heart is that is a much better way that I've been helped in my life um, and where I felt supported. Because I think a lot of times the tricky situations that I'm in, I <laughs> I might receive better counsel or revelation from God greatly um, because so, a lot of people might not understand where I'm at or what I've gone through. Um, and it's hard to give advice when you don't understand that position, but it's never hard to give love. And I think that's what we need most.
0: Never hard to give love. Um, Talk to your younger self, Um, your, you know, your, your high school self, you're working through porn. I think you overcame porn, Um, but just talk to your high school self on your junior high self on some of your darkest days where. You're alone in this whole story, Jessup. What would you say to your younger self? This is like 10 years ago, younger self or more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I there were days that I felt so lost and so hopeless about the future. I I just didn't know how I could fix the problems that I was in or, or feel better. I felt very lost. And I would just, I would give him the biggest hug. I would hold him and I would let him know that I understand. He might not feel like anybody in the world understands what he's going through, but I understand him and that I made it through and he's going to, and there is a brighter future and things make a little more sense. And God is real, and he loves you. I think that's what I needed.
0: That was great. If you're, I think our older selves, particularly if you're younger, they could talk to you right now in your darkest times. They talk to you just like Jessup talked to his younger self. where you don't think you're worthy of the love of your older self, God. And you're in a really tough spot, not sharing the reality of your situation. Um, God loves you. Your older self loves you. You've got to hang in there. Um, If you're suicidal, you've got to get help. you got to text, call, chat 988. Um, You've got to talk to people. You've got to believe that there's better days ahead of you. Um, So listeners, that's all I've got. Jessup, you're welcome to give a final segment if you'd like to, or just final thoughts in closing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I would like to make a comment. I think I see so much division in the world today, and so many differing sides. And I think a lot of times that comes from misunderstanding, and it causes contention that I don't think is helpful for any side. Um. I wish there weren't sides. I wish we could just come together and understand that we're all children of God and that we all face different struggles and different trials and we're just trying to make it and understand and figure out this life. And so in my attempt, I guess, to help with that, I just invite everybody to listen to the people around you. Take time to really understand. Um, When we choose to listen, we, we understand that people are a lot more like us than we might realize. And that they have good, pure intentions in their heart. Nobody is inherently evil or wanting to do bad things. They just want to be loved. And they want to make a change and and be good in the world. And I think it has a lot to do with seeing people the way that God sees us. Because I know that he sees so much potential for all of us. We do. All of us have potential. And so I would invite people to, to listen. And I'm so grateful, Richard, for you because you're giving that opportunity to people to share their stories, so that others can listen. So thank you so much for this.
0: Thank you, Jessup. Um, Your parents are listening. Great job, Um, Mom and Dad, Oliver, for raising an an incredibly fine, mature, spiritually grounded young man. And Jessup, and Jessup, thanks for your courage to be on the podcast and share your story. You have a great life ahead of you, and. You've done the hard work to get you in the really solid spot you're in to make the rest of your life possible. So this is Jessup Oliver and Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.